Uh, my name is Jeremy Nelson, and uh, get to be one of the pastors of this church. It's a privilege and uh, also a great privilege to have the Word of God, to be able to open the Word of God, and then to share the Word of God with you. And as I look around, a number of our normal church family away uh, for the day, and a number of you, you haven't been here uh, for some time or ever, uh, and so welcome to you, and you're jumping in at the very end of a series. And so uh, just to kind of get us all on the same page, I think that might be helpful. Um, Every year leading up to Christmas, we go through a book of the Old Testament. Uh, and, uh, And we are going through the book of Daniel this year. We actually did the first six chapters, which are the chapters most people are familiar with, the ones that we easily go back to and find easy to understand and really inspiring. And then we save these last six chapters for the weeks leading up to Christmas, and they're challenging. Uh, and so if you're just jumping in with us, uh, just know that this that we as a church believe that all Scripture is breathed out by God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we don't skip parts. Uh, if we get to a part like, oh, that's hard, we don't just say, all right, let's just go back to the parts that we enjoy. Uh, basically, it's this. It is good to take in the whole counsel of God including things that we might not normally uh, be initially attracted to, stuff that might not taste as good right now, but will benefit us in the long term. And so we, we recognize this. And so rather than go back to familiar, oh, I know this, this is easy to understand, this makes me feel warm and tingly inside passages, we sometimes, because we want to take in the whole counsel of God, go through harder stuff. And Daniel 7 through 12 has fit that category of, harder stuff, but also, I think, stuff that helps us to clearly look forward to and long for the coming of Jesus, which is what we want to do during this season of time. We don't want to skip. You've probably seen uh, one of these things before, uh, a healthy eating plate, you know, divided up. Like, you want to have a little bit of this and a little more of this. And that the, the idea in, in eating healthy food is that Yes, we might have an attraction to certain kinds of food, and that will satisfy us for a period of time. Put on my list like pizza, chips, and cookies, right? That satisfies for a period of time. But over the long term, a steady diet of that is not going to give me the long-term health that I need. And same thing with Scripture. There might be things, passages, that you're more quickly attracted to that might taste better to you, but we want to take in the whole counsel of God that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work, including uh, thoroughly equipped for suffering uh, that either has come to you or is coming. And so we're in the book of Daniel chapter 7 through 12. And the theme of the book, really throughout the whole part of the book, even the beginning, the narrative part, and the second part, the more apocalyptic prophetic part, all of it really has the same theme, and that is this. That God's kingdom is eternal, and God's people ought to be faithful. So, quick context, the last three chapters, this is chapter 12 now. We took a chapter every week for the last six weeks. The last three chapters are all one vision. Chapter 10 tells how the vision came, and the focus is on the battle taking place in the heavens. Chapter 11 gets really focused. It was a long chapter focused on all of the earthly conflicts that are taking place and that will take place. That was the content of the vision. Now, this week, we look at chapter 12. Here's how it all ends. And what we're going to do, as we've done the last few weeks, is 
is take the theme that we see here in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, and tie that in to uh, some of the themes we see coming out during this season of Christmas as well. So that's what we're doing today. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open up to Daniel chapter 12. And it's a short chapter, just 13 verses. Uh, And so if you would, if you're able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God. Daniel chapter 12. Let's pray. God, I pray that your spirit would be working through your word to build up your church, that your spirit would bring about conviction of sin, and that those who walked in here today living in the midst of darkness would be pointed clearly to Jesus, who is the light of the world. This has to be a supernatural work, and that's why we pray and ask for your spirit now to work through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 12, God's word says this. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream, and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Amen. You can be seated. So in your bulletin, again, uh, a spot for you to take some notes. Uh, If that's helpful for you, see the points, the outline of the sermon There, I'll put the words on the screen from Scripture, but I encourage you to keep your Bible open so you can move around in it as well and maybe make some notes there. But the first four verses kind of give us an intro to the end of this vision and tell us some extremely important things. It tells us of angelic things taking place. In Daniel, oftentimes the angels are referred to as princes. We've seen that earlier. And here it is, Michael the angel seems to have some sort of special responsibility 
with the people of Israel. And we're told this, there is yet to come a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. Okay? So we've seen this general theme in Daniel so far already. That if your expectation is that by doing whatever you think ought to be done, all of a sudden stuff is going to get quickly better, the reality is that stuff is going to get harder and harder, worse and worse, darker and darker. A time of great trouble is yet to come. But some hope in that is that not everybody will perish in this time of trouble But the angel speaking to Daniel, calling his people, presumably Israel, your people, shall be delivered. And then, another term for these your people is also everyone whose name shall be written in the book. This is a kind of phrase that we're going to see later, uh, much later in Scripture, in the book of Revelation used as well. That there's names written in a book. And so, not everybody is going to come through this time of tribulation uh, doing well. But some people will, and it's those whose names are written in the book. More detail about that here in a little bit. But in verse 2, we have probably, what is probably, the most clear description of a future resurrection, which we see clearly taught in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's it's not quite as prominent, but here in verse 2 is probably the clearest we see it in all of the Old Testament. It tells of those who sleep in the dust of the earth awaking, and two outcomes are possible. Again, more on this here in a little bit. But the two outcomes are this. Some resurrected to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay, so what is to come? A time of great trouble. At the end of that time of great trouble, there will be a resurrection, and there will be two possible outcomes for people. Again, he's going to come back to that, and so we'll get to that again here in a little bit. Another word for those whose names are written in the book are here. He's going to refer to them a number of times as the wise. So it says in verse 3, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So if you've been with us through this series in Daniel, you've noted that a number of the things that were told to Daniel were things that were going to come over the next 400 years. But now in chapter 12, they're try- the, the angel communicating this vision to Daniel is trying to make it clear these things are not going to happen in the near future, Daniel. This is for the time of the end. Okay? So, this is what we see in verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to have more of the content of the end of the vision here in verses 5 to 12. Now, I get to the end of verse 4, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, so I get that. I get there's going to be a time of trouble. It's going to be dark. It's going to be hard. But God's people are going to come out in the end winning through it somehow. I want to know more, don't you? Well, interestingly, in verse 5, we find out we're not the only ones that want to know more. So do the angels. So, so these there's one angel kind of communicating this in this vision that Daniel's having. All of a sudden, another one shows up here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. So take a look at that. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, 
one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. I guess two more show up. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, that was the one who was there before, who was above the waters of the stream, here's what the angel's asking. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Okay? They're like, okay, this is intriguing. I don't totally get it, but how, how long will it be till the end of these wonders? So even the angels want to know too. And then there's an answer to that question. So we're going to get a little more detail. Verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever. So he's going to give a time. They asked the question was, what's the timing of these things? And he tells them, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, so that makes you scratch your head a little bit. What, What is he talking about? If you were here earlier, you will recall that that same terminology has been used earlier in Daniel as well. This idea of time, times, and half a time, that was in Daniel 7.25. He's likely referring to, we talked about it then, time, one, times, that's two, so one plus two is three, and half a time is three and a half. That's generally what people uh, come to understand time, times, and half a time to mean three and a half periods of time, three and a half weeks, three and a half years. We see that at least there. And that here's what's going to happen. The shattering of the power of the holy people. There's going to be this great time of trouble. Here's what we know for sure. This time of trouble is going to be limited. There's, it has an expiration date. It's not going to go on eternally. But this time of trouble, time, times, and half a time, and the result at the end of it will be that the holy people, the power of the holy people, uh, will come to an end. There's shattering that's happening. So generally, here's what we see. Times ahead are going to be dark. Ultimately, God's people will be delivered. But prior to being delivered, there's going to be a shattering of any power that they once had. Now, you're trying to understand this? So is Daniel. I get so encouraged when I read verses, because I'm reading this. Like, these passages that I've been, I've told you all throughout this, I don't come at you at like some prophecy expert, oh, here's what this means, and here's what this means, and this is like, I, I don't know. I'm studying God's Word along with you, trying to figure stuff out, and I get encouraged when I read verses like Daniel 12, 8. Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. I didn't get it. Like, I, I heard those words. I know what those words mean. I, get, I, I just, I didn't understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He's like, okay, I don't get it all, but how's it going to end? How's it all turn out? Right? Some of you have watched a movie or read a book like that before where you're going through it. You're like, I don't totally get it, but I want to know, and some of you do this with books. I don't get you people, but you skip ahead to the end, and you say, like, I'm going to read and see what happens in the end, and then I can determine whether or not it's worth it to read the whole book, right? Some people are like that. Are you like that? Don't be like that. But here, we're told, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? That's what Daniel says. He wants to know how it all turns out, and here's what he's told. (laughs) Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Basically, Daniel, you're not going to figure it out. Daniel, remember, at this time is an older man, likely in his 80s. And he's told, just go your way, Daniel. Do, do your thing, kind of. 
Go, go out and do your thing. You're not going to get this all totally figured out. These are sealed up. There's going to be an indication that we'll see a little bit later that as time goes on, people are going to understand these things more and more. But Daniel, in your lifetime, whatever's left of it, you're not going to get it. So go your way, Daniel. And then we get more information in verse 11 about this time being limited. It says there shall be 1,290 days. Now, if you do the math on time, times, and half a time, that's three and a half years, that comes out to 1,277 days. So it's, you know, in that time frame, right? Same thing maybe as the time, times, and half a time. We see, by the way, just numbers are interesting in Scripture. We see in the book of Revelation a number come up again very close to this. It's the number 1260. So in Daniel 1290. And then the next verse um, actually has, which we'll look at in a little bit, a little bit higher number, 1355. So there's these numbers. Here's, here's what I think, even though some people... Uh, get really into numbers and say, oh, I know this number means this and this number means that. I think what we can say clearly in the end is this. We can say that a time of intense trouble is coming. It's not going to be good for God's people in that time, but ultimately they will be delivered. And the good news is that time of great trouble is limited. There's an expiration date on it. It doesn't go on forever. And then we read about two possible outcomes. That's what Daniel wanted to know. How's it going to turn out? And we're told of two possible outcomes. Here's what will happen with many people. Many will purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But those are, and then there are those who are wise and they'll understand. So one group of people, here's how it goes for them. They go through this time of trouble and what it does in their lives is it brings them they, they purify themselves and make themselves white and are refined, and they understand some of these things. And then it even says, verse 12, Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days, which is a little longer than 1,290 days. I think the big idea being, hey, it's probably going to last longer than you think. But then listen to the good news in verse 13. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So for some people, this time of great trouble is going to be very intense. It's not going to go well for them all throughout that time, but their hope is that in the end, they will stand in their place and they will rest. You maybe have had a little taste of what this might feel like if you have uh, had maybe sometime in your life a really intense workout. Uh, maybe it was a, one of your two-a-day practices in football back in high school, whatever it might have been, a really intense workout, and you wondered, am I going to make it through this? Like, am I going to survive this? But then at the end, you do, and there's this period of rest. Like, oh, I get to go back to my place. That's... I mean, obviously, a, a sliver of, of a comparison, but you know what I'm talking about here. That there's going to be a time of intense trouble, but there will be people who, at the end of the days, will rest and stand in their allotted place. This is what gives them hope. Now, there's another group as well, and he mentions that also in verse 10. I skipped that little part, and that is this. There are the wicked, and what are they going to do? Well, they're going to act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to just quickly put it all together and then help us make a Christmas connection. 
quickly putting all together what we've seen in Daniel 7 through 12, all culminating here in chapter 12, and that is this. Intensely troubling times are ahead for God's people. Intensely troubling times are ahead for God's people. Here's what we've seen all throughout Daniel, and we've seen it all throughout human history, and we will continue to see it until Jesus comes, and that is this. Kings and kingdoms will rise and fall. Our hope is not and never has been in one nation here on earth. Our hope is in the eternal king who sits on the throne and reigns in his heavens. Kings and kingdoms will rise and fall. And we've seen this. God's people can expect to suffer. We see darkness increasing and we see, it seems, doesn't it, when you read books like Daniel, when you read books like Revelation, it seems like wickedness is triumphing. Like evil, it looks like evil's going to win. Stuff just gets worse and worse. And in the end, here's the second thing in putting it all together. The second thing is this. In the end, people will be in one of two groups. People will be in one of two groups. What are those groups? One is God's people. God's people, or here in this passage, those written in the book, or the wise, or the purified and refined, or the ones who faithfully persevere, these are the people who will be raised to everlasting life along with the faithful who have died. Okay? This is what we see in Daniel, and we really see it also in the rest of Scripture too. These are people who live their own way. They're like anybody else, sinners, sinners by nature and by choice, but people who have heard the gospel. Somebody loved them enough to tell them the good news about Jesus. And we heard about Jesus, and now we know Jesus, and we repent of our sins. We no longer say, I want to live life my own way, but we've put our faith in Jesus, and our sins have been atoned for and we've been redeemed and we are in a right relationship with God and so yes we can expect that we will go through dark times but we go through those dark times with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us knowing that our sure hope is Jesus our eyes are fixed on Jesus we know he's the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to him knowing that, yes, we will be one day raised from the dead, and when we come to him face to face, we who trust in Christ, clothed in his righteous robes, will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, now enter into the joy of your master. This is one group of people. But this is not every person. It doesn't end this way for everyone. We see that in Daniel and we see that in the rest of Scripture. In Daniel here, they're called the wicked. Daniel says these are the ones who will be raised to shame and everlasting contempt. These are opponents of God or enemies of God. This is what we see in Scripture. And so the future does not look the same for everyone. Right now, we divide over all sorts of things. We find stuff to divide over. Uh, you know, like Hawkeyes or Cyclones, Republican, Democrat, Black, White, American, Chinese. We'll, we'll divide over all sorts of stuff. But in the end, we will be divided over only one thing, and that is, are you remaining an enemy of God or have you become a child of God? That's what we'll be divided into.
There's a lot of people, even really nice people, nice people that you work with, nice people that you're going to spend Christmas with, even nice religious people that you work with and will spend Christmas with that still remain enemies of God because in their hearts, they're Lord, they're master, they're king, they're doing their own thing. And the reality that we see here in Daniel is that there's going to be two groups of people in the end. We see it also in the New Testament in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 36. I don't have that in your notes there, but I'm just going to turn to it really quick. Here's what it says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Two different groups of people. And so the question, one obviously application question for us today is which one are you? How will it be in the end for you? Will you be one who stands before God and all you have is your own record, which at best is pretty spotted? Or will you be one who stands before God, claiming nothing of your own but only the righteous record of Jesus? Which one are you? One who is still an enemy of God or one who by faith in Jesus has become a child of God? This is the most important thing. You, I know you got a lot of important stuff coming up this week, a lot of stuff to figure out. This is the most important thing for you to wrestle with. <laughs> when that day comes for me, will I be raised to everlasting life or everlasting contempt? That matters a whole lot more than what you're going to eat on Christmas, and if you got all your gifts checked off your list. And so if you want to talk more about that, I'd love to talk with you yet before you leave today. This is eternally important. And as we've done each week, we're going to end by taking a look at how all of this points us ahead to Jesus, both in his first coming at Christmas and in his second coming at his return. So we're going to end this way. You know, usually when we read the Christmas story, we read it out of the book of Luke. Because Luke gives us the most detail. He's the one who tells us about the shepherds in the field watching over their flocks at night. He's the one who tells us of the angel who the angel first who comes and then all the angels who come and sing and of the shepherds going to meet the newborn king. He tells us all of these things in the book of Luke. Mark starts with Jesus as an adult. And Matthew starts with the genealogy and gives us some of the details that we often share in the songs that we sing at Christmas. But John, the Gospel of John, starts in a different way. John introduces Jesus from the very beginning, calling him the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things that were made came to be through him, the word, right? And then we're told this in John chapter 1, verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, this is verse 5, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, we see through John's gospel and in Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. Jesus, when he came the first time, Jesus was the light who came in the midst of darkness. Right? 
That's what we sang earlier. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Right? That's what we sang earlier. Jesus comes the first time. In his first coming, Jesus came as the light in the midst of darkness. This was true. We see this in Christ's first coming. But we also know all of this is pointing us ahead to the times of the end or the second coming of Christ. And here's the reality. In his second coming, Jesus is the light that overcomes all the darkness. If you read through the book of Revelation, there's many times where it feels really dark, doesn't it? But also all throughout the book, there is just weaved in these visions of Jesus seated on the throne. Jesus, who is the light. Jesus, who has more power than all the forces of darkness that would stand against God and his people. Jesus is the light in the book of Revelation as well. And so, we get to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter, and we read these words. No longer will there be anything accursed. This is about when Jesus comes back. When he comes again, he doesn't come as a baby lying in a manger, but he comes as powerful king, warrior, and judge. And we're told this, all of these great forces of evil in the world, here's what happens, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is what we look forward to. So in the midst of darkness, even literally in these days that are very dark, in the midst of darkness where stuff in your life isn't all as peachy as you might make it look to everybody else at Christmas. There is grief, there is sorrow, there is sadness, there is tension and stress, all sorts of things in our lives that feel an awful lot like darkness And we need to look to Jesus, who in his first and his second coming reveals himself as the light. You may have uh, read, I got to write the article for the newspaper this week for the Time Citizen. And in there I I wrote about the story of a man named Henry. Maybe you read that. Year 1861. And uh, Henry uh, married to his wife Fanny. And uh, the, the two of them had together six children. Uh, and in 1861, a tragic accident uh, leads to a fire uh, that eventually, uh, well, Henry had tried to save his wife, wife's life, um, but the very next morning, she died. And so now Henry is a widowed father of six children. This is the year 1861 here in the United States. Two years later, his son, in March of 1863, his oldest son, whom he depended on for a number of things, decided he needed to go and fight with the Union soldiers in our nation's ugly, bloody civil war. That was in March of 1863. On December 1st of 1863, Henry gets word that his oldest son has been severely wounded. And so he travels to Washington, D.C., to meet up with his son. And so he spends that month there in Washington, D.C. And on December 25th, Christmas Day of 1863, 
our country is in the midst of a bloody, ugly civil war. Yet it's Christmas, and so there's bells ringing and, you know, the kind of the, 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 the trappings that come with Christmas even then. And he's got some tension inside of him. Because he hears this happy, joyous kind of music, yet at the same time, there is in his life darkness. And as he looks at the world around him, there's tension like our nation had never seen before. And so he sits down and in that tension he writes out a poem. A poem that became a Christmas carol that we still sing today. And in the first verse it sounds like a normal Christmas carol. He wrote this verse to his poem, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then he writes some more verses reflecting on the war raging around him, and then reflecting on the darkness that he's experiencing personally, having lost his wife, raising his kids on his own, and now finding his oldest has been severely wounded in a battle. He writes this, and I love the honesty. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He's just being honest. Seems awful dark during this bright time. And for some of you, that's where you're at as you come into this week of Christmas. Everybody's talking about their plans. Everybody's excited about stuff. It seems like it's just not working for you. But I love the hope that he gives as well. Because here's the final verse of the poem he wrote. Then pealed the bells more loud and clear, more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. There was something in him that recognized, even in the midst of his own personal and our national darkness and despair, he recognized that there's something, something greater at work, and that something is God. God's not dead, He's not sleeping. No, He is actively at work, and in the end, we have the hope, and that's what we see in Daniel. So we see in Revelation, in the end, we do have the hope that the wrong shall fail. It might look like darkness and evil are winning, but they will not have the final word. When Jesus returns, he has the final word. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail. There will be peace on earth. This is the hope that we live with, and I think helpful during this season for us to not, not kind of say, like, darkness isn't there. Let's just try to put on the happy face for Christmas this year. If you're feeling darkness for whatever reason, even if in your mind you think, well, I don't have it as bad as some people. Yeah, you're right. You probably don't. But it still doesn't change the fact that for you, it feels dark and you feel despair. You're battling with stuff. It's okay to acknowledge that, but also to clearly look at Jesus and the hope that we have in him. Daniel has pointed us ahead to that. The Gospels pointed us clearly to Jesus and his first coming. And even Jesus in those Gospels pointed his disciples ahead to the time when he will come again. This is our hope. And so we're going to close by singing about that and invite you to come back.
Uh, I think it's kind of cool to come back uh, on Tuesday. Part of that is a candlelight service where, where we'll have it darker in here than we do now, yet there will be all sorts of little lights shining around as we are reminded of this reality that even in the midst of darkness, Jesus is the light in the darkness. I encourage you to believe this and to proclaim it. A couple quick questions for you. Who do you know who is living in darkness? There's probably somebody you're in contact with that you could invite to come with you. Not just say show up, but come with you to the Christmas Eve service on Tuesday or wherever you're going to be at. Another question for you is this. How will you point your family to Jesus this Christmas, provided you have the opportunity to get together with them? Just remember that many who seem to be doing just fine are actually living in darkness. What intentional way do you have of sharing the light of Christ this Christmas? Because that gift you got them is probably pretty cool, but it's only going to give them temporary satisfaction. It might bring a smile to their face right now, but what will bring them eternal joy? Nothing but Jesus. And so how will you share Jesus with others who are living in the midst of darkness this Christmas season? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every word of your word, even the parts hard for us to understand. But I pray that we would at least get what Daniel got in the end. And that is that though times of great darkness come and though we're not promised that everything's going to go well for us as God's people, that we, we can have the hope that Jesus, the light that you promised did come the first time and we trust that you promised and, and will will fulfill the promise that he will come again. And so we, even in the midst of darkness, can live with great hope. I pray that you would help us to, to, to deal well with that tension this year. That we wouldn't just kind of tell people to cheer up who are really living in despair and darkness. That if we're feeling that ourselves, that we would acknowledge that. And, and recognize that at least in part what we need is to be together with God's people. But above all, what we need is we need Jesus. So I pray uh, for anybody living in darkness because they have not yet repented of their sin and put their faith in Jesus, that today might be the day that they would do that. If they're wrestling with that, that they would be willing to just come and ask somebody up front here to pray for them at the end of the worship service today. God, I thank you, even for the words of this song that we're going to sing now that also help us to acknowledge both the darkness around us and the light of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.